0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Stats Stories. With this episode, we're going to break format just a little bit, and we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. Not just the Baseball Hall of Fame, which recently inducted Mike Piazza and Ken Griffey Jr. Not just the Football Hall of Fame, which just inducted Brett Favre, among others, but all the Hall of Fames. Because with each enshrinement and each celebration comes an increased scrutiny of their voting processes. So we're gonna look at the selection processes for the four major sports. With me, Chad Shanks. I'm Justin Kabatko. And we're gonna break them up and tell you which one of them gets it right, which one gets it wrong, which one's the best, which one's the worst, but spoiler alert, they are all pretty fucked up. So this is episode 14, Engraved and Confused. So, Justin Kabatko, this is our mission, to have one piece of audio that breaks down how each of our major team sports in the U.S., elects their hall of famers and we're going to try to figure out which one of them succeeds where they succeed which one fails and all that all that good stuff because the the hall of fame selection process which you think should oh it's just a simple vote let's vote on who's the best players we put their picture up and it's it's nice everyone loves it and it's not like that at all all right so let's get right down to the point we're going to break down each Hall of Fame election process for the four major team sports in the U.S. and try to analyze them and say where they succeed, where they fail, and see if we can reach a consensus on which one is the best and how how we can fix it and what's the perfect process. All of that we're going to try to tackle. But how we're going to do that is first we have to describe how each sport elects their Hall of Famers. So Justin and I are going to alternate describing a, a sport, and how they elect their Hall of Famers. So let's get right down to it. Justin, you're going to kick us off, right? Right. Actually, I'm going to
1: start with the easiest, at least the easiest of the two I was assigned, and that is the Baseball Hall of Fame. And just to note, like I'm not going to talk about all the various subcommittees that exist to elect players into the Hall of Fame. I'm only going to focus on the primary um, group that elects players, which is the writers. So you know, just, just keep that in mind. So you were, you were talking about how complicated some of these processes are. And actually, I don't think the Baseball Hall of Fame's primary electing mechanism is that complicated. So first, let's talk about the electors. So the electors are active and honorary members of the Baseball Writers Association of America, and they have to have been active baseball writers for at least 10 years. Those are the guys that are eligible to vote. And I also believe there's something in there where if you haven't been a writer actively writing within a period of like 10 years or something like that of the election that you're no longer allowed to vote. So pretty straightforward there. Uh, candidates. So the candidates are... That the, that the writers will consider are players who must have been active at some time in the period beginning 15 years before and ending five years prior to election. Okay? So like when they're voting, um, say, in 2017, I guess they would go back to 19 players who played somewhere between 1992 and ended their careers in 2012. So somewhere in that range, um, and players must have played in at least 10 major league baseball seasons. All right, so if you played nine seasons and you hit 900 home runs, you're still ineligible for the Hall of Fame under the current rules. Okay, um, so then the method. So first of all, there's a screening committee. And what they do is they go through all the players who would be eligible for the writer's ballot. Before any names get to the writers, there's a screening committee that prepares a ballot. So what they do is they go back to their previous year. And anybody who received at least 5% of the votes the previous, previous election year, they'll get included on the ballot automatically. And then players who are eligible for the first time, they have to get a vote from two of the six members of the screening committee. Okay. So, like, if, if there's a player, um, some random player who only gets a positive vote from one member of the screening committee, he's not going to be placed on the ballot that will go in front of the writers. Okay, so he needs two out of six votes from the screening committee to be included on the on the official ballot. So, after that, after the ballot gets, gets sent to the writers, the, uh, the electors can vote for no more than 10 candidates. And that's kind of controversial, which we can talk about in a little bit. So, they can vote for a maximum of 10 names. And you are not allowed to write in any votes. So if you write in somebody's name, Pete Rose, for example, it's just going to be completely ignored. They're not going to count it. Um, And then any candidate who receives at least 75 percent of the ballots cast is going to be elected to the Hall of Fame. And the voting results are released to the public. Um, In other words, they will tell you, okay, we had this many voters and this player received X percent of the vote. So the, the votes are public. Now, they don't make each individual voters results public but a lot a lot of writers will just you know write articles columns where they'll tell you who they voted for so it's it's in that sense it's it's a fairly transparent process and that's it so like I said
0: baseball to me is relatively simple oh man well do you see do you want to get into the problems with each afterwards or we can just we can talk about that at the end
1: I mean let's kind of talk about pros and cons right now since it's fresh in our minds
0: yeah so you mentioned the uh the maximum of they can only vote for 10 players. So of course that that becomes a problem because you're you're automatically limiting the possibility of having a you know a year where there are more than 10 players who are worthy, right? Well right and what's happened
1: is over the last I don't know half dozen years or so they've been getting really stingy with voting guys into the Hall of Fame. And what ha- what's happening is there's now a backlog of highly qualified players. You know, a lot of the writers, like Jason Stark, for example, they would love to fill out a bout with more than 10 names because they think there are more than 10 guys who are qualified for the Hall of Fame, but they can't vote for them. They can only pick out 10 to vote for. And one thing that Stark has mentioned that he does that he doesn't like is he kind of makes it... Like, he does not voting for who he thinks the 10 most qualified guys are, but he's voting based on who are guys I think that should have support but, but might not get enough votes to carry on you know carry on to the next ballot so like for example he may have a guy who he thinks is the the eighth best player on the ballot but he might slide in the guy who he thinks is thirteenth best just because he wants that guy to get some support and remain on the ballot in the future and i think that's a
0: really bad position to put the voters in yeah and the it seems with the Baseball Hall of Fame, the voters have been a lot more um, vocal about how disgruntled they are at the situation. Like I saw, you had uh, ESPN's Buster Olney refrained from voting in 2014 because he was just so pissed at the the system and how ineffective that it was. And um, Dan Lebitard, uh, my former employer for a weekend, gave his uh, <laughs> gave his vote to Deadspin because you know in protest of not voting people in but if they were if they yeah, thought that protest, they were associated protest with slash, stores, publicity stunt slash publicity slash publicity he's he's is, really good at publicity stunts yeah. hey it helped me out quite a bit whenever for, for those that don't know whenever i got fired from the rockets he uh hired me to run his twitter account for a weekend and hired me live on air and didn't give me any chance to like off air to say hey guys i I don't know if I want to do this. Um, but anyway, it was fun. He was he was cool. He was a really cool guy. But, yeah, the publicity stunt of giving away his vote to Deadspin, and that, ups, of course, upset people, and now he's not allowed to vote for it every game. But I think baseball has had the, fairly or not, the most scrutiny on its, on its process because, to me, and the, that's what kind of got us talking about this. To me, the baseball – process is just so screwed up because and i I disagree
1: 100 percent disagree
0: we're gonna we'll get more into that but for me with the baseball process with the way that they they do it it's it's so important which ballot you get in on and they're okay but that 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 is
1: a creation of the people who are voting that's not actually in the hall's rules and there's nothing in the hall's rules that say there's some sort of special designation for guys who who got in on the first ballot the the writers have decided to do that i mean yeah so i mean what i'm saying is that's not a what you're criticizing the voters themselves you're not actually criticizing the process that
0: the whole thing is the process process allows for it the process allows for it and the process also allows for we just like we alan trammell just dropped off the ballot this year he was on it for 15 years like if you have a process to where you can't decide whether or not a guy is in the hall a hall of famer for in for fifteen years. Like you've you've fed up somewhere. Like I, it I, should actually not it's not, be it's not that. fifteen
1: years anymore. I believe now it's been what like I was saying earlier It's ten now. Who, so
0: right, but right. McGuire dropped off but Trammell was grandfathered in. So he was on the ballot for fifteen years. And if But you he, know that
1: but there are cases where being on the ballot that long actually helps players who deservingly who deserved to be Hall of Famers, like Burt Blylevin, for example, okay, I, I forget what year it was when he finally got elected, but I know it was past 10, and, you know, there was a guy named, I believe his name, I hope I get this right, Rich Letterer, he was a blogger, and he was just, he laid out a great case for why Blylevin should be a Hall of Famer, and sort of people started paying attention over time, and, you know, eventually, eleven gained enough momentum to be elected to the hall so I, I I think though I think you're right that fifteen years was way too long At ten i don't know that might seem about right i I think there are players who who maybe um, need guys like letterer who will trumpet their, their their horn for them so that they can they can sort of get this wave of of uh support
0: yeah I mean I get it and that's good for him, but why why is Burt Blylevin not a Hall of Famer one year? And then ten years later, whatever it was, now all of a sudden he's a Hall of famer. I just th- i I know that I'm thinking like ideal i idealistically that every election they're going to get the get the questions right. but and, and it is part of the the people who are voting have invented this this construct to where they're ranking Hall of famers based on, what ballot that they get in say oh well this guy's a hall of fame i don't think so i don't i don't think i've never heard anybody talk
1: about like a second year ballot i mean i think it's first year is like a big thing but after that i don't think it's i don't think it's relevant nobody talks about third third but you said that that,
0: but you even said yourself that that's the still the way that they're saying oh well this guy needs some more support or oh he's he's been on the ballot for 10 years like let's just let's throw him a bone or no I'm i'm not
1: i'm just saying that like it allows people to to gain some perspective on candidates, so, you know, maybe I would imagine a lot of those guys had not really looked closely at the career of Burt blatt living. You know what I mean? And then eventually over time, they got exposed to it. Also, another thing you're forgetting is that, the, you know, the the electors change, you know, what I mean, it's not like this is a a group that stays the same over time. There're going to be guys coming in, new guys coming in, old guys coming out, and that's that's another reason I think why you need sort of this this ten year window is so that you can sort of um, allow the player to be evaluated by a group that is not exactly the same as the group that when he first got on the ballot.
0: Okay, well I think that's a good segue into our next our next sport. I know we could spend an entire hour just talking about the baseball hall of fame but we do want to compare it and see how other sports differ and so one of them that where there is no um term limits for the voters is the pro football hall of fame so the pro football hall of fame has a 46 person selection committee and uh they're made up of media representatives from each pro football city with two from new york since there's two new york teams all of those guys as well as 13 at-large delegates who are like national reporters and stuff are open-ended appointments, like Supreme Court. Like, you're on it until you die or don't want to be on it anymore. And, and then h- there's, how do you uh, get on
1: it? Are you going to talk about
0: that? or? Well, that's the thing. That's one of the things I have in my section about problems with it is I could not find a straight answer to that other than just ass- assuming that the Hall of Fame Board of Directors is making these appointments or whatever. I mean, do you know something that I don't know about how they actually get on there?
1: No. That's why I was asking. Yeah.
0: I have no idea how they get on there. The Pro Football Hall of Fame, to their credit, their website is very informative about the whole selection process. But they, they just he, – he, we have this 46-person committee, but it doesn't say how they get on it. And I'll get into it a little bit later about some of the people who are on the committee that I think – it's kind of alarming why they're on there. So – um Let's keep going. And if it sounds like I'm rambling and that nothing that I say makes any sense, that means that I'm explaining it right. That means that I'm doing a good job. And so, the, these the selection committee is divided up into subcommittees of the seniors committee and the contributors committee, who are who are appointing different people based on. Uh, their classification. So the Seniors Committee is um, appointing players from older generations who may not have had the chance to get on the, the ballot in years past. The Contributors Committee is people who weren't players or coaches, but, you know, GMs, media, people like that who contributed to the game of football. But the Seniors Committee, surprisingly, they're advised by two consultants who are contemporaries of the nominees who are chosen by the Hall of Fame president, but they don't get to vote. They just go and explain to the seniors committee why this person was good, and then the seniors committee has to decide. Which it seems like that you're if that's not the most efficient way. If you have these two consultants, just let them make the nominations. But anyway, whatever. We'll get into why that none of they none of what they do makes a whole lot of sense. And then the contributor finalists are selected annually by five members on a rotational basis of the nine member subcommittee. Does that does that sound confusing? Because it kind of is. I'm already lost. It, it everything I'm saying is completely accurate. I, just trust me, and none of it makes sense. So the people that's all right. Who can they vote on? The players or coaches who were last active five seasons before, same as baseball. The contributors. There's no. Uh, there's no limitation like that. They say on the site that there's no set number for any class, but. The maximum is eight, and they want it to be somewhere between four and eight. And I thought they had a mini- re- I thought they had a minimum though, but it says on that going by the website says there's no set number for any class, but they prefer it to be between four and eight, and that the smallest ever elected is three, okay so candidates must receive eighty percent of the vote. They uh, don't get enshrined as a member of team as bait, like baseball, so there's no debating on what hat they should wear. They just have their bust and as a player, coach, or contributor, and then they get their, their sweet gold jacket. So here's where, it, here's where it really gets confusing. So here's the problem is how does someone actually get on the ballot? And so the selection committee is polled three times a year to make a list of preliminary nominees included their first time eligible candidates that with a strong enough credentials for a remote chance now who chooses what constitutes a remote chance that i have no idea i don't know who gives them those names uh any eligible candidate that's nominated by fans so fans can write into the pro football hall of fame their nominations which anyone who thinks that makes any difference whatsoever give me a break come on they they're they're throwing you a bone there they're you're, they don't give a shit if you write in someone who's... They don't care. And so, then, so modern era nominees from the previous year's preliminary list who received at least four votes. So if you got four votes the year before, you get to stay on the preliminary list. So then there's a second preliminary list that's uh, sent in September, a third one in October, and in each one they're asked to whittle down the semifinalist. And then a final primary primary list... That's the 25 modern era candidates that's distributed in November, whittled down to 15 with three more added from the recommended candidates of the seniors committee. And then um, which they had their whole process where those are chosen with a similar thing with lists that are whittled down and whittled down by mail, by the way, that they're sending all these all these things to. And then they alternate between one and two senior and contributor finalists each year to increase their numbers. So one year they'll have one senior finalist and two contributor finalists, and then the next year it's going to be vice versa because this is just so goddamn confusing. Then they get together at Super Bowl weekend. In advance of the meeting, they're given um, packets with detailed biographies of each of the 18 finalist candidates, which to me, if anyone gets caught, like, using those for their for their votes maybe you shouldn't be able to vote like if you need a detailed biography of a player and you're supposed to be a pro football writer maybe you shouldn't have maybe you shouldn't have a vote i disagree but with the contributors i guess that's little little more but anyway so they discuss the not they get together and discuss the nominees and each nominee has their case presented to the nominees so they're they're meeting in person Yes, so they're all meeting yep. together at the Super Bowl after their little pen pal things that they have going back and forth, mailing in their nominees for six months in advance. They discuss it because in each candidate has their case presented and it's often by the rep who's there from the city where that player has played the most or that contributor is known for being before then they they take a series of reduction votes. They first vote on the senior contributor candidates, they have to get the same 80% threshold, then they have to vote to reduce the modern era finalists from 15 to 10. Then they have to take another vote to reduce them from 10 to 5, and then those final five are voted individually as yes or no. And If you get the 80% yes, you're in. The ballots are collected by this firm. No vote totals are announced. Only the winners um, are revealed to the selectors and the, the Hall of Fame representatives. So they don't even tell you, oh, uh, well, Tim Brown didn't make it this year and he had 79% of the vote. And in, they don't tell you. They just say, "This guy. these are the guys that are in. So you score one for baseball. They make their results public. I'm trying to make sure that didn't miss anything. So if, if anyone followed through all of that it is it is just a convoluted six-month process done largely through the mail where it just seems like there's so many steps along the way that could be cut out just to make it a little bit more f- effective and the biggest problem that I, I see with it and that others see with it is that is the maximums that they set so with eight finalists per year and then three of them being a combination of the senior and contributor recommended it recommendations that means that each year there's a maximum possibility of five modern era players that can get in so there's just there's a log jam of players where players who are more deserving have to wait a couple years because there are other players who've been waiting uh, a couple years on the ballot so the example of this is marvin harrison who just got in it took him three years to make it and Marvin Harrison is one of the statistically one of the best wide receivers of all time, but in his first year that he was eligible, Andre Reed got in. Andre Reed had been on the ballot for eight an infer- years. An inferior player, by the way. Inferior player in every in every way, shape, or form. That's not saying Andre Reed shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. That's just no, saying compared to player, Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Then the following year, Tim Brown gets in. Who, again, not as good a receiver as Marvin Harrison, but he had been on the ballot for six years. So then the next year, oh, well, it's it's Marvin's turn. And they, they claim that character is not supposed to be of concern or anything, so you're not taking into consideration any of Marvin Harrison's, you know, supposed off-field um, incidents or anything like that. But the question is, in, two of, in 2014, if Marvin Marvin Harrison isn't worthy of the Hall of Fame, but 2016 he is, and then from two thousand seven to twenty thirteen, Andre Reid is not a Hall of Fame or he's not worthy of the Hall of Fame, but then in twenty fourteen all of a sudden he is because
1: Well but I, yeah, it's part it's, of that it's is his though, turn. Part of that though is the this maximum that you're talking about, right? I mean yeah. so that, it's it's not like they decide, like so in baseball there is no there's no cap. I mean, if if somehow ten guys got seventy five percent of the vote, they would all go in. Right. But in in football, it sounds like you can have 10 guys that have pretty much the same level of support, but they can only pick half of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you you have to whittle it down to your to your final five. Yeah, it's but I think that the difference between the problems with baseball and football, and again, we'll get more into this as, as we go along, is that baseball, like the system is maybe set up a little bit better than Footballs, but the baseball one has just been infected with this um, where the writers they're voting like their own agendas, or their own beliefs on the morality of the players or whether or not, but he again, used yeah, and again, and that's, the, that's a
1: discussion and, though of the voters themselves, not the process, yeah, like, you know, yeah, and
0: I think that's the difference. So, the, the, the voters with the football hall of fame, I, I haven't heard anyone complaining about them. Like their ability to, an, to analyze whether or not a player is in the Hall of Fame is just the problem of why he isn't in the Hall of Fame when he should be. Yeah, this, this logjam is, is a huge problem that they, they, they need to just get rid of. It's, it's so stupid. One other thing I want to point out is the, with a relatively small selection committee like that, it's more important who's on the committee. So one person who's on the committee right now is named Jeff Hobson. He's the representative from Cincinnati, but unlike most of the other voters who are representing cities, he doesn't work for the Cincinnati newspaper. He actually works for the Bengals. He is the web editor for Bengals. Seems like a conflict of interest. It's a little bit of a conflict of interest. I I do not know Jeff Hobson. I do not know his work. I'm not insinuating that if like when Andy Dalton is up for the Hall of Fame that. At the owner's request, who pays his salary? They're going to be pushing him to vote for Andy Dalton, even though the Andy Dalton we know now is not worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. But theoretically, it could happen. And the reason I say theoretically it could happen is because I have seen shit like that happen um, with the Rockets. So similar, similar to the story. Like I remember being on the plane with um, some of the Rockets media. The um, you know, who you, if you know the Rockets, you can figure out who it is. But yeah, not let's gonna, not name names, just be general here. Who have votes in things. Like they, they have votes in, you know, MVP, All NBA, like all different kinds of votes like that. And I remember one of them saying that if he didn't vote for James Harden, it would be his ass. Like if he didn't, even if he didn't think that Harden was deserving of whatever the award was, he knew if he didn't pick him, he would be in trouble because the owner of the team essentially employs him and signs his paycheck. And those votes are made public. And he said he's done it before with other te- the team's players. And it comes back to, oh, he didn't vote for him. He gets called up into the, into the offices and gets bitched out of it. So he's just like, it's just easier for me to avoid it. And James Harden will know that he didn't vote for him. And James Harden is walking right past him up and down the, the plane. So anyway... Again, I do not know anything about Jeff Hobson's work. He could be the most honorable, above reproach person ever, but that goes back to the problem: is who picked him to be on the committee? The, who who's appointing these people, and why? Why didn't they see that this could be, could be a potential conflict of interest? Anyway, another thing,
1: also, another thing I'd worry about too is with them meeting in person: is that you can. It's a lot easier to influence the other voters. Yeah, I mean, like if you have like a very forceful personality in that room, I I I would think that they could almost not intimidate. Maybe that, but you know, something like that where where it's like they kind of make you vote for someone you possibly didn't really want to vote for. Whereas you know the baseball process, it's you, you know you fill out your ballot, you mail it in. You're not you don't have to sit in a room with all these other guys and defend your choices. Um, which I think is actually a purer process than having to meet in person. And like I said, you have these, these huge personalities that could, could influence the room.
0: Yeah, so there's a I found this old SI article um, where they're criticizing kind of going through the process. Even, it wasn't written by Peter King, who's on the, um, who's on the selection committee and you know, well-known for being SI's you know, NFL guy. But it has quotes from a second-year at-large voter, Jason Cole who tells a story about in that, that year, there was Warren Sapp and Michael Strahan were on the ballot at the same time. And so Ira Kaufman, who is the Tampa Bay's representative, gets up and makes this impassioned plea for Warren Sapp, saying that he they said he opened it with, Warren Sapp was a huge asshole and treated me like crap the whole time, but this guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and made this passionate, case for him and why he should be in the hall of fame and he makes it and michael strahan does not michael strahan has to wait until the next year and so jason cole says in his research when he because he you know thankfully said he put in the time of polling people and talking to people about the candidates merits and said everyone he talks to said they would have put michael strahan in overworn sap because michael strahan had demonstrably a better career than Warren Sapp. Again, not saying Warren Sapp isn't worthy of the Hall of Fame, but Michael Strahan was statistically one of the best um, defensive linemen ever. But he said in that room, the presentation that Ira Kaufman gave is what made the difference. And that that badass speech that he gave is what persuaded people, you know, gets that emo- the emotion into it. So they voted for Warren Sapp and Michael right, Strahan. So it's exactly what I was talking year. about. Yeah, it's documented as happening. And so unlike the base the the biggest problem with the football one is that it's it's all private and all the power is in the hands of a relative few. Which Oh, that that ain't nothing compared to the that's, one that's coming up. All right, so that is that a good segue? Let's that, That's let's a good segue.
1: The so the next one we're going to talk about is the basketball Hall of Fame, which is just Okay. Again, so like, like Chad was saying with the football thing, where you're, you're going to be confused probably at some point, And if you are, then that means he's explaining it correctly. Uh, the same applies here to Basketball Hall of Fame. And they elect, they don't elect players solely based on their NBA careers. They include collegiate accomplishments and overseas accomplishments. And they also select people from women's basketball and coaches from college basketball. And so I'm not really going I'm going to focus on the mechanism for electing players. Okay. Um, just like I did with baseball. So... For the candidates, they have to be fully retired for four seasons before being eligible um, for enshrinement. Uh, if a player comes out of retirement for a short period of time, they can bend the rules if they want. So, But basically, it's like the other sports where it's like in your fifth year, you, you can be considered... So what they do is they prepare a nomination packet for each candidate. And so this nomination packet will consist of an official nomination form. And they'll have news clippings and magazine articles and all this other good stuff that, uh, that you know, describes in detail the accomplishments of the player. And then all the nominees who have completed nomination materials are presented to a screening committee for review. Now, the screening committee, there, there's more than one, but the one who reviews Uh, The NBA players would be the North American Screening Committee, so I'll talk about them. The North American Screening Committee will review and select finalists among North American players, believe it or not, North American players, and those guys will review and vote up. They'll decide who to send for review and voting to the Honors Committee. Okay, So the Screening Committee is going to go through, and they're going to send on a certain number of names to the Honors Committee. Now this North American Screening Committee consists of nine members, but... They're not known to the public, so people don't really know who these nine members are. In order to go from the screening committee to the honors committee... Wait, you uh, said Player One knows
0: who they are? No. Like well, I mean,
1: somebody knows who they are, but... Well, like I, the, mean, pu- I mean, like, publicly. The, like it's, the public, it's not no, no, publicly, no, they're not publicly known. no.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: So, so, you have the screening committee. So, in order to go from the screening committee to the honors committee, which is kind of the next level, the next step, you need affirmative votes from seven of the nine members of the screening committee okay so a little over 75 percent um if a player does not receive a single affirmative vote for three consecutive years then they just take that player out of consideration for five years and then he can be re-entered into the process again if they want um otherwise there is no limitation on the number of years a guy can be considered for enshrinement so, it you know, it, it can be an, it can go through the screening committee forever. And then the screening committee can send the honors committee no more than 10 names.
0: So there's a cap. 10 names is it. All right. Now, at this and point... That's ten, sorry, that's 10 names yeah. of just players? Or that's their 10 names of everyone, including... Everyone that the North coaches, American committee would suits. be... Well, yeah, every, the coaches would be included.
1: So anybody that the North American screening committee... ...would be responsible for. So it's not just players. Okay. There's no so division to, like in football no, could, where could they... be coaches, contributors, college coaches okay. even. Okay. All right. So at this point, they have names to send on to the honors committee. But wait, we don't just send it straight to the honors committee. The board of directors steps in. So the Hall of Fame's board of directors gets to look through all the names. And if they don't like somebody's name on there... ...if they feel that somebody on there has damaged the integrity of the game in some way... Then they can take that person off the ballot, <laughs> okay? So you know, if you have an axe murderer on that list, then they say, no, 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 we don't want to, we don't want this guy to be associated with the Hall of Fame. We're going to strike his name. All right. So. But is that and that's not made public? No. Like, they, I, they, I I I don't believe they make public names that they would scratch from from the that yeah. go from the come from the screening committee.
0: But it, is uh, is Dennis Ropin in the Hall of Fame yet? Yeah, he is. I mean. Yeah. So that, to hold, so to hold that, a guy, so they're not that specific, I guess. Well,
1: no, but just to keep a they're guy off a ballot for just being a weirdo, I mean that's that's yeah. not really right. I mean that's he didn't really. I don't. I don't think that would be a valid reason to take a guy off. The, uh, but that's the thing the we ba- don't
0: know what the reasons are. It's no, just, we don't. It's we up don't up to know. Their discretion. Okay.
1: All right. So board directors goes through. They they give the thumbs up to these guys. Then it goes on to the honors committee. And then the Honors Committee is supposed to carefully review the record of each finalist before casting a vote in favor of enshrinement or against enshrinement. And the Honors Committee has 24 members. And they are made up of Hall of Famers, basketball executives, there's some media members, and there's other contributors to the game. But the, the, the group, they're not known publicly either. We don't, we don't know who these 24 people are. We just It'd know that there's, nice. there's, there's this group of 24, but they are not known to the public. So in this group of twenty-four, um, the honors committee, you need eighteen votes to be enshrined into the Hall of Fame. So that's seventy-five percent, same as same as baseball. Um, but voting results, like everything else, are kept secret. So you don't know if a guy got in with eighteen out of twenty-four or twenty-four out of twenty-four. Or you don't know. Maybe a guy missed. He got seventeen out of twenty-four. You wouldn't know it because they don't release the votes to the to the public. If an honor, if so. If the honors committee has not elected a finalist who has been put forth by the screening committee for five consecutive years, then they suspend that guy's candidacy for five years, and then he's not going to be considered during that time. But following this five-year period, the candidate can be reactivated and start going through the process again with the screening committee. So again, there's no no point at which you say, okay, we're going to They'll stop considering a player. They'll suspend a guy's candidacy, but he can, after that five-year period, go back to the screening committee again. Confusing enough for you?
0: I don't know if it's if it's as confusing as the football process, but it's um, it definitely has a, a tinge of the uh, the stone cutters to it. You know, with the uh, the secret society of the old classic Simpsons episode that I mean, literally everything is done behind closed doors there.
1: Right. And I I think that's why there's been several articles written over the years about about, you know, why why this secrecy? Why 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 conduct the the voting in this way? You know, it's it seems it just seems silly. It seems like, you know, this isn't CIA level secrets here. (laughs) There's really no reason to to. First of all, have all these voters be anonymous, and second of all, it just seems like
0: there's no reason not to release the voting results. Yeah, well, I mean, I have my own opinions about how the the uh, basketball world works, but uh, I'll keep them to myself because they're biased and libelous. So, uh, but yeah, none. I'm just to say that none of their their secrecy and um, backroom dealings or anything like that surprises me.
1: But also, I mean, note that. This is not an
0: NBA-run institution. The Basketball yeah. Hall of Fame is an independent. But even though they're, yeah, you, they've got they've got their hands on the puppet strings with it. If they if they so felt like it, possibly. You would you would know better than I, I guess. Yeah, better than me. I've said, I've said too much. They've got, <laughs> they've. I see a little uh I see a little red dot on my chest right now, I don't know where it's coming from. So. All right, let's move on from the uh, the secrecy of the Basketball Hall of Fame to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, this will be our last of the of the major four sports. There's also a, uh, a U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame that focuses on hockey only in the U.S., but it doesn't seem like that's that's not as big of a deal. Like the Hockey Hall of Fame in, Toron- in Toronto is the uh, is the main one. So, who votes for the Hockey Hall of Fame? Uh, it's an 18-person 18, 18 selection committee that consists of Hockey Hall of Famers, personnel, and media, with at least one of them knowledgeable about international hockey and one about amateur hockey. So like the, uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame, it's not just NHL. Uh, it's all aspects of hockey throughout the world. The members are appoint- appointed by a board of directors to a three-year term, and the terms are staggered so that each year there's six newly appointed or reappointed members. Do we know who they are? Yes, they are. It is public. You can see who the, the names of every person that's on there. Score one for hockey. Good job, hockey. So they, uh, the, they can vote on... Their inductees are put into three categories. Uh, induct, they can be inducted as players... Builders, which is kind of like the contributors category, but it includes coaches, GMs, commentators, owners, anyone like that uh, that's helped build the game up, as the name would imply. Or on-ice officials, so they actually have a whole separate category for uh, inducting their referees, which, you know, that's pretty nice. Um, The limitation are the players' officials... Uh, must have been inactive for uh, three years prior, so a little bit shorter of a window than the, than the others. There's no limit for the builders, but they have in the past waived that waiting period for ten players deemed exceptionally noble, like, like, uh, like Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, yeah. yeah. But they they've since done away with that and said that it's no longer going to be waived because they've kind of they've had some issues with. Uh, players once they've been enshrined saying i I, i'm gonna go play some more like gordie howe and uh, mario lemieux both came out of retirement post um enshrinement to to play some more but like i don't
1: know is that a big deal i mean who cares right it's i mean it's not if you're already a hall of famer all right let's that's what i mean like was 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 mario going to do anything to make you uh, yeah to to make you reconsider your decisions like oh no 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 he's not a hall of famer i mean that's just silly
0: Yeah, I mean, the Michael Jordan's Wizards, you know, episode didn't make him not a Hall of Famer. It wasn't exactly a shining moment for him, but it's not going to ruin what what came before. No, no, no. Anyway. Anyway. So in a given year, they have a maximum of four players, two builders, and one official that can be inducted. And so each committee member nominates one person in each category per year. Those nominations are submitted to the chairman of the board of the Hall of Fame, um, the board of directors, by April 15th. And then the committee will meet in June and cast secret ballots. I didn't see anything if they have, like, any type of um, presentation aspect like the uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame does. So I'm not sure what they do when they meet other than they cast ballots and it, they're secret and you don't get to know about it. The players can get elected with 75 percent of support on the on the ballot so it's a yes/ no ballot 75 percent and you're in then if for whatever reason they don't have four players that meet the uh, criteria they'll have a runoff if the maximum votes aren't uh, aren't hit so they'll at least have four play like they're gonna have four players go in interesting regardless so you don't have the situation like again we're gonna get into which one's best and worst but you don't have a situation that the baseball system has allowed where in 2013 there were no players elected to the hall of fame because no one met the uh the lofty standards hockey and that was
1: because you know, there were too many names on the ballot that's as we talked about that yeah earlier, yeah about too many qualified players
0: hockey is like we're gonna have this many elected and of course that's a good thing so you don't have that that situation that baseball had but it's a bad thing because again the backlog you only have four players elected each year and for someone like me i'm not a huge i'm not a huge hockey fan i enjoy it i've been to some nhl games and they are just fun as hell to go to but i don't know the sport as well as i do others um so the limit of four players per year for me that it i don't know if i can name four hockey players a year that need to go into the hall of fame but i'm sure it's just as we get into a football saying, yeah, some years there are well more than four or five players that deserve going into the Hall of Fame, and it's stupid to limit it and have to make players who are deserving wait just because of this artificial construct, and voters are forced into this false choice of who's more worthy of the Hall of Fame at this moment.
1: But one thing, though, is that if they've had that for a long period of time... Then that probably works fairly well in terms of clearing out qualified guys. You know what I mean? Like, I doubt there's this huge backlog of qualified players at this point
0: for hockey. I, that, this, like I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to make any of those types of statements about hockey because I just, I honestly don't know it as well. Um, but I, I mean, I can say they have the same problems as some of the other ones. It's just, it's a very small group of voters. It's 18, just 18 right. people. That's all that. vote on it and secret ballots of course so you don't know so there could be all kinds of theoretical backroom dealings and things like that and the reason i bring that up with hockey is because it actually happened with a former um president of the nhl got into some situations trying to manipulate board directors to nominate him to be in the hall of fame and there's a big to do and kerfuffle and the nhl commissioner had to launch an investigation and Blah, 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 blah. So they've had their fair share of controversy. And one more I want to bring up uh, that makes the Hockey Hall of Fame unique is that they are the only major team sports hall of fame in North America that's had one of its members resign uh, their membership from the Hall of Fame. There was this guy named Alan Eagleson, who is a longtime executive director of the NHL Players Association. And also a felon, right? (laughs) Who was inducted as a builder... Um, But then he resigned before they could hold an expulsion vote because he had pled guilty to mail fraud and embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars from the NHL Players Association pension funds. So, you know, he was... The thing he went into the Hall of Fame for doing well, well, it turns out he was actually stealing money from all the players he was entrusted to, you know, to help look after their future. So the hockey does have that, that they're the only one that's had someone resigned their membership. So good good for that hockey. You have that distinction. So that's our fourth. That's our four. And so now with what we've heard, like Justin, I think you've already kind of made your where I think you're gonna go with this, but is there one of them that sticks out to you as the, the best of the bunch? Are there if if you had to say this is the one that gets it the most right?
1: I, I think baseball and hockey um for baseball th- there would be two things I would change. At least two things, two big things I would change. One would be remove this minimum of 10 names from the ballot. Let guys let writers vote for as many names as they want to. That'll help clear out this this backlog of of deserving candidates. Um so that's one. And then the second one would be for the Hall of Fame itself just remove this morals clause. You know, definitely that, that, that so that players are only considered for their performance on the field. Like, you know, O.J. Simpson's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's not going anywhere. And he is not in the Hall of Fame
0: of human beings, of course, but he was a Hall of Fame football player. <laughs> um, is there a Hall of Fame of human beings? If not, if we there, should start that. If there, Mother yeah, Teresa. If, if, if such a place existed, O.J. Would, would not be there. O.J. Um, would be off the
1: ballot. But, you know, so that... To me, then that then you can start voting for guys like Bonds, Clemens, etc. Because just you're only supposed to consider a guy for a performance on the field. That that would be the two things.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you that the with baseball. So all right, so if I had to say mine first, I think the base the baseball process kind of I can't believe I'm saying this, but after going. Th- This is not what I would have said before we actually did the research, but the baseball process is the best of the the bunch just because of there's more transparency. There's a bigger group of people involved, but it has just been it's it's more democratic and like we see with democracies, when you let people have choices, their their own personal biases, get put into those choices their own views their own agendas and that's kind of what's corrupted the uh, the baseball process because the voters now are voting their agendas and their agenda is to keep these players who have any whiff of steroids out of there which I want to say like motherfucker, where were you in the 90s when this was going on like you were in the locker room you knew this shit was going on like you weren't on your moral high horse then but now when it comes to electing them then you all of a sudden are high and mighty and can look down upon them for what they did which at the time it was great and i i had i've changed in my position on this and maybe a lot of other people are because as, as the years go on and each ballot comes up it's just getting so and so ridiculous like this year we said mark mcguire fell off the ballot and say what you will about his stats and that he was a one-dimensional player yes that was true but the dude that that one dimension was the dude saved baseball the post 94 strike he brought it back and that year was so exciting and He's being punished for doing something that, which at the time was not illegal, which was not against the rules. Well, it was illegal, but not. Well, it was not in the rules of baseball. Like it was in... If someone if someone stole a car, that was not going to necessarily hurt their chances of being in the baseball hall of fame, even though that was illegal too. But yeah, there was nothing in the bylaws of of baseball like the, like there is now. So, but then at the same time, I say when they're not voting for Sammy Sosa and Sammy Sosa was just a cheater in a number of, of ways. Yeah. And I, cor- I think, I don't know. We, we don't want to go, go We don't want to go too anyway. far down this PED rabbit hole. Because the point, it, the point. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm sorry. We, we said we wanted to stay away from that, but it's, it's kind of impossible to not bring up and talking about baseball hall of fame selection process. Um, yeah. But they're enforcing their, their agendas into it. And that's, Maybe that's just something you have to to deal with, but I do like it more than the convoluted and secret processes that we have in basketball and football. Basketball, especially, if I think if I had to put one at the at the bottom of our four, that def, definitely has to be at the bottom because everything is done behind closed doors. Um, Absolutely, agree one hundred percent. So here's I want to I'm gonna pitch to you. These are my very broad recommendations for all of the hall of fames to to implement to improve their their processes so i'll i'll tell them to you and you let me know what you think okay okay so i think the selection committees first of all should be public the people who are on there their names should all should all be known in public and all of their ballots are made public no i agree agree with that no, no secrecy Anything like that, and I honestly you don't. Know what what just to say sorry. real quick, what's yeah. interesting is that the NBA now requires
1: voting the, the voting results for awards. They require that to be made public, and each yeah. writer has what what has their ballot, yeah, released to the public. And I think that's a really good idea. Sorry for interrupting.
0: Yeah, but and, and of course there's a problem with that. With like the story I alluded to earlier, with when your with vote art. is known, their, their political ramifications for it within within your workplace and other situations but that's the problem there shouldn't be a political ramification like that and having things public is always a better way of keeping those kinds of things keeping them stamped out keeping out any type of these backdoor dealings or anything like that when you're able to go to a guy and say why did you vote for this guy why did you not vote for this guy and i don't see why the the unless the voters themselves have some type of agenda that they're hiding why would you not want this public and like you said a lot of the baseball writers or people will reveal their ballots and talk about it because it's good content it's good branding for them but unless you have something to hide why do you not have this open and for especially like the nfl who make uh prime time specials out of their schedule release and can have hours of television just D- devoted to that? Why have they not made this into a television show? Wouldn't you watch it? Wouldn't you watch the presentations and the battles and the voting between the Hall of to who's in the Hall of Fame? I mean, this—I I don't know if they want to go that far, though. I but wouldn't you watch it? Oh, you I'd would watch, watch it. it but right? I'm just
1: saying I, I would, I think they have
0: reasons not to do. The reporters like wouldn't like it. The reporters, the vote—they wouldn't like it one bit. But oh my god, the fans would. But and let me and let me get off on this little tangent as well about why. The, a lot of these changes are never going to be made and why things are that the way they are. And this is my opinion based on my experience. And I'm sure there are others who have said this. But with the media, people who are in the media controlling a lot of the votes for, for this, they, for them, it's the last little bit of power that they still have. Like the the guys who were covering teams for newspapers in the times before the internet even existed like you know they were the voice of the team they were who you went for went to for information they were the gatekeepers that that there was power in that and now with the internet and any assholes who can afford a microphone can record themselves talking about sports for people to listen to singular not plural yeah they've (laughs) been they uh, don't kid yourself they can they've lost that that kind of superiority that singularity that that they had but and even with some of the awards voting you see in the NBA the the players have even taken that into their own hands by saying you know we don't like media the media voting on all this we're going to vote for our own awards and so they have their own awards ceremony so with this the Hall of Fame that's it's kind of like their last little bit of absolute power to frame and shape the game, the way the way that they see fit. So I think any you trying to, but that's recommend. only true in
1: baseball, right? I mean, baseball is the only
0: one where the no electors, football, but football, that's not one
1: hundred percent writers, is it?
0: Uh, for yeah, it's all everyone on their on their committee is a media member. It's okay, from, so
1: there's no coaches or former players. No, on the on the, in the on the forty six members. No. No, oh, okay. their,
0: their, their membership is uh, public. Like you can look, it's, they have it on okay. their actual website. Yeah, it's all, the overwhelming majority are newspaper writers from the NFL's markets. And it's designed that way. Like they, they have one from each market at least. And then there's some national ones from ESPN, SI, things like that. Okay, so So let's
1: get back, though, to your... Yeah, so that kind
0: of leads, that that rambling leads to my second recommendation is the selection committees should be split between media and then former players and coaches all with term limits. Because if you're in the NFL, you're already bringing in consultants to tell these voters why they should vote on someone. Just cut out the middleman and just let the players themselves vote on you have a more of a diverse experience because of course writers are going to see players in a different way and then players are going to see other players in a different way and the the I argument think, is i the think pl- there's
1: too much cronyism when you start doing that. that you know
0: and and there's not there's not cronyism already having too, it all no, be but media? To, a, to a lesser degree
1: i think i think when you have former players involved they're going to vote for buddies and for teammates and and i just would yeah, not yeah or in
0: the well the opposite if they don't want to vote for or yeah they have an axe who, to grind who, they had a teammate they didn't yeah a guy like, who or, played the same position who they were jealous of or got the best of them in a big game something like that yes th- I think there's some of that that can happen but I think it also can happen on the media side with guys with axe to grinds against players who were dicks to them because well, yeah but
1: there's no I mean there's no perfect system right there's no there's no there's perfect no system but I yes. I
0: think this I think this idea is is better than having it be a hundred percent of one group. I think but the how, hockey, it, how does it
1: work? F- you just have fifty-fifty, and then like you average the two, or what? I mean, I don't like.
0: How, how as far as I've w- thought. <laughs> I let <I'll> let someone <laughs> so know. Like school, most I'm, of your ideas, like it's half baked. It doesn't. I'm just saying that you need to have more of a contribution from people other than than media and writers, because you're Same. only going to get the perspective from from one type of person. That that's kind of what I'm what I'm going with with that. And if you're going to have a hall of fame with no with no input whatsoever from the people who you've already elected into that hall of fame, well, then you've really fucked up. Like why would you not listen to the people who should have some of the best opinions of anyone? So that's what I'm trying to get at. So in other
1: words, let me summarize, this is a vast problem. This and is you and you have come up with a half vast These are solution. no these these are
0: <laughs> I said it at the beginning, these are very broad, these are very broad recommendations. Okay. Next one, we've both hit on this already. No arbitrary class maximums. Like if if there's if there's a year where there are ten, fifteen players who are worthy of going into the Hall of Fame or contributors, whatever whatever your number is, put that many in. Like these hall, it's not like these Hall of Fames have a a week to turn this stuff around. And they say, oh, well, we we only have a week. We can only make six busts. You know, that's that's all that we can make. They have a whole year to get this situated. I, I don't I don't know why there's these maximums and saying that you can only insert a couple. If the argument is that you're diluting the Hall of Fame or you're watering it down, that's bullshit because the Hall of Fame let's be honest is a money-making mechanism. They want people to come there and buy tickets. And buy T-shirts and buy memorabilia. Go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, and every one of the players, whenever you click on their names or um, anywhere or hover over it, there's a pop-up thing where you can buy a shirt that says, you know, Brett Favre, Class of 2016, or a, a John Elway plaque that you can that you can buy. This Bust. is money making. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> what, they they have both you can buy. Um, so. It, you figure you make more money if you have more players in there and increasing your uh, your reach of fandom and and whatnot. So, do you, do you think that's a problem? A problem with watering it down? Are you pro, are you pro limiting it to a certain situation? I guess it gets back to the argument we've had before. How do you want your Hall of Fame? Do you want your Hall of Fame to only be the best, the best of the best, uh, the most exclusive, best player of eat of his time or do you want it to just honor these were the players that were the best among everyone they're still the best but they're not you don't have to have every player. every player is not willie mays that doesn't mean that craig biggio is not willie mays but that doesn't mean that craig biggio is not hall of fame worthy do you get that no, you know, yeah that no I'm, I'm i'm definitely a
1: larger hall guy than a small hall guy it's like so i i agree i mean like i think hall of fame should include guys like Craig Biggio or Paul Molitor or Kirby Puckett, guys who obviously didn't reach the level of
0: Mays, Aaron, Ruth, etc., but were very, very, very good players. Yeah, I agree with you. And when you're getting to the point where your voting is being determined by the by an arbitrary maximum, then again, somewhere along the line you fucked up. That should not. Come into the come into the equation at all, in in my opinion, and kind of my my last recommendation goes along the same lines where if a guy's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer, and that's how the vote that's how the vote should go. There's no rating them by number of ballots or oh this guy oh stop I mean, this uh, guy's on. a Hall of Famer but he's not a Hall of Famer. So you're three one of those people, people like th- if I watched a guy and he wasn't a Hall of Famer, he's not a Hall of Famer. That's silly. Three three people did not vote for Ken Griffey Jr.
1: No, I no, I agree that I agree that's ridiculous. But what I'm saying Why? is there there are guys, I think, like Blylevin we brought up earlier, where you can make a case and convince people that he is. So it's like there are lots of people who at first blush did not think Burt Blylevin was a Hall of Famer. And eventually they came around to the conclusion that he was. I, I don't I don't like this thing where it's like a guy's either a Hall of Famer or he's not. I mean, like you
0: can, I don't think you can use that as a standard. Well, all right. I think that's a different situation. I think that's a I, I think you have a good point there, but I think it's a different situation because it's like you were saying, like with, with, everybody's not vote. Willie Mays, right? Willie Mays is no brainer Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, but what's but, but there are there are guys who should be on the Hall of Fame but may not be
0: a no brainer to a you know, seventy five percent of the electorate. I don't th- I don't think it's as I don't think it's as cut and dry as that as people needing to be convinced that someone's a Hall of Fame. I think it's them having in their mind – this again, this goes to baseball and why they're, their system may be the, the most democratic and the best, but their voters are the worst. Um, them deciding to – they're ranking Hall of Famers um, themselves. They may all go in equally, but they are – this is the de facto tiers that they're putting into the Hall of Fame. So are you going to tell me that, like, when Craig Piggio, again, to use his – him as an example, when Craig Vigio became eligible for the Hall of Fame, that there were people that did not vote on him because they thought he wasn't a Hall of Famer, but then three years later, all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I've been convinced. All right, Craig Vigio is a Hall of Famer. I didn't think so three years ago, but so much has changed to alter my perception.
1: Yeah, I know, but I'm I'm saying, I was just saying though there are examples of guys who who may have uh, flown under the radar, but over time, you can convince people of their greatness. That's all I meant. And I get that's I kind agree. of the where... Biggio, I think the Biggio thing was silly. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah his... You're a Houston guy. You're biased
0: anyway. That's why you're bringing up Craig Biggio. Super you're just... biased. Even like, and you then like... you're probably mad about Bagwell too, right? Yeah, so why Bagwell's first year on the ballot, he gets I make up the number, I don't remember. He gets 50% of the vote, and it just steadily goes up each year to where they're saying, alright, oh, well next year he's probably gonna but, get it. Like Yeah, but I mean I also think either that, he's a Hall of Famer or he's not. No, but like, that, I don't, that ties I don't into like the all problem this. we talked
1: about earlier, having a backlog of good candidates. I, I think that's part
0: of the problem with him. Yeah. I I do see but, that. So now, now we're what, start,
1: we're just starting to recover ground we've already covered, I think.
0: Yeah, all right. So I think the moral of the story, let's let's go ahead and wrap this up. The moral of the story is people love the hall of fame people get passionate about the hall of fame and like their players their favorites being acknowledged and recognized for their greatness in the game but oh my god have these systems are just so convoluted and so confusing and while they get they get some things right i think we're both in agreement that they kind of get a lot of things wrong and in my opinion a lot of it boils down to the the power of the people involved with it that the people the voters the committees the the board of directors of the hall of fames themselves i mean this is this is their power this is their thing and i don't think that you should go to the extreme of turning it into all-star voting where you just open up hall of fame voting to the fans but there has to be some type of middle ground do you agree do you disagree do you have anything to add take away i think pretty much said all i have to say about i mean i i just general
1: they are not perfect systems. They can be improved. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it, right? I mean, they're far from perfect. Yeah. Most of them are far from perfect and could use improvement. But I would also say, too, that looking over the four major North American Halls of Fame, there's not a whole lot of just egregious selections or egregious submissions.
0: For the most part, they do a pretty good job. Yeah, and... You're always much better at looking at the glass half full than I am. So I guess that's for the for the most part they're 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 getting it right, even if it takes a little bit longer than than it should. And at the end of the day, we're talking about whose picture goes up in a in a building. We can talk if you we can do another podcast if you want to talk about the Electoral College and. Uh, how we sol- how we select our congressional districts and things like that. If you want to talk about some real fucked up elections. Would you like to do that podcast with me afterwards?
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, offers on the table. If you ever want to have that argument and then we ruin our friendship, let's let's do that, buddy. I'm there for you. All right. Let's close this. Thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check our blog at blog.statnews.com. It's going to be a little different this time. We're not going to have embedded stat news searches like usual, but we'll have some breakdowns of each Hall of Fame and their processes and a few other things like that. So be sure and check that out. Again, thank you very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. My name is Chad Shanks. He's Justin Kabatko. And this has been another episode of Stat Stories.